They're like, don't, we're not letting grandpa eat. If we if he doesn't eat, he can't ruin any more depend. These are full. Can I please get some fresh ones? T-shirt. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> all right, let me start talking because we're not going to leave otherwise. Hey, I love when you talk. It's my well, all right, here you go. Here's some talking at you. Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. Hey, my name's Will, and joining me as always are my friends and my co-hosts, Kat and John. That's just two people, though. <laughs> I realize it could sound like my friends are joining me and my co-hosts. Cat, John, Cat, and John, we'll be here too. Doug, oh, just a whole list starts. Who invited Doug? Johnny, the whole squad. Future Robert can yeah. join us. Hi, guys. Uh, hey, are you gonna say hey. hi, John? He's like, I'm gonna skip John. Hi, John. You would think we recorded episodes back to back. Hey, on today's show, I'm gonna challenge Cat and John to not laugh at all. For every time they laugh, they're going to have to pay money into a, a charity of my choice. Oh, John lost How it. Much money? <laughs> How much worth money? Here's $20. I'm going to laugh the whole show. <laughs> just, oh, no. This show is my therapy. I need the humor. Yes. So Can I I'm just, pre-pledge? I'll just have to pay it. Right. <laughs> I got a tab. Did she open a tab? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, on today's show, no. In reality, we're gonna. I'm gonna challenge Cat and John to determine whether certain 1980s hit songs, mm. so songs we're all mm-hmm. familiar with. You've all heard them on the radio when you were kids. Mm-hmm. In the top mm-hmm. 40, you heard Casey Kasem count them down. I'm yes. gonna challenge you to determine whether or not they were actually covers of earlier songs. Oh. Um, before that, Ooh. though, uh, we're gonna <laughs> review current news stories relating to 1980s media, including the bear that defeated an Avenger, and a whole bunch of Tom Cruise stuff. Including right. his his plan for dying, I guess. I don't know. Oh. Mm-hmm. He's got a... Yeah. He's got like a living will. He's got a dying will? I don't know. The guy is... Whatever. I think that's just called a will. Just a will. Different. A dying will. Well, I guess I'm... Yeah. What do you call that piece of know. paper There's that a, says what to do with your state when you're dead? Dying will? No, no. It's just a will. Hmm. <laughs> Probably an attorney would know what it was called, but... <laughs> Probably a good, a good one. one. Probably Certainly. a good one. Yes. We've got to find an attorney. <laughs> we have um, a will, but we're not an attorney. <laughs> hey, uh, oh. just briefly, I wanted to remind mm. folks, if because it's, we're going to talk about it in a moment, Cocaine Bear, but we just did an episode last week where we tell the true tale, abridged, mm-hmm. of the Cocaine mm-hmm. Bear, the, the events that inspired the uh, movie mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, sort of uh, doing well at the box office. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. And you should definitely check that episode out. Um, because look, I think it's informative, but it also just turned out to be one of the most fun and funniest, I think, <laughs> shows that we've done, uh, you know, certainly recently, <laughs> even the news with this uh, story about the f- fish and the Goonies house. But I also want to give a somewhat of a caveat because I can already tell this show, uh, this episode is, it's not going to be nearly as funny. We had this, <laughs> it's just, it's, the stakes are too high. I'm, actually, I'm relieved that we're going to be doing something that is probably not going to be yes. hilarious because my abdominals need a break after all oh. that laughing. <laughs> we should just <laughs> from last week <laughs> and listening from last week and then listening. To oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I told John, I, I wound up listening. I wound up laughing at the same spots I did and then more because I'm able to just listen to you guys now, you know, <laughs> like the, yes. the fish stuff was funny to me now. 
you although it's mystifying <laughs> it's still mystifying <laughs> i was listening to you this morning after i dropped my daughter from school i'm like what is cat laughing at johnny's just trying to honestly sincerely figure out it's the juxta. There was some juxtaposition happening there for me. Oh no! I lost it at Grand Theft Boat. <laughs> I want that T-shirt. Grand Theft Boat, yeah. and when he said, "Like it's like his whole life has been leading." Up yeah, to right. Yes. yes, you went crazy when he said that. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, it was funny. I'm not saying it wasn't funny, but <clears throat> right. But, is, is it the laughter, do you think? Like, sometimes I wonder when I listen, am I laughing because I'm hearing laughter? But no, it was really funny. <laughs> well, no one was laughing but you for, for at first. So you mean you're laughing because you well, hear yourself laughing? That's a self-feeding. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, Will, I was talking. You were laughing. Will was busy trying to get it back on the rails. Yeah. So he didn't have time to laugh. Maybe that's what you were laughing at. I ain't got time to bleed. He's trying to get the show done. <laughs> mm-hmm. It could be that there's so many and interactional just, things happening yeah. that it just was hilarious. And I'm just looking for the fish broom. As it, yeah. There was no fish broom. <laughs> all right. Hey, all right. Enough of that. I am anxious to get to the news and get to the games and the fun and whatever. Hey, let's get caught up on 1980s. Hey, this week in 1980s news, as reported by the Hollywood reporter, Marvel's Ant-Man gets mauled by cocaine bear. Oh boy. Yeah. All the puns that, any of the puns uh, that I'm happy to mention now are courtesy of Hollywood Reporter, not me. So if you don't okay. like them, All right. if you do like them, Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, anyway, so if, if you know, within the last couple of weeks, both the Marvel's Ant, uh, Marvel and Disney's Ant-Man uh, Wasp mm-hmm. and the Wasp Quantumania and mm-hmm. Cocaine Bear opened with a couple of weeks, within a couple of weeks of each other. And although Ant-Man mm-hmm. stayed at the top of the box office, uh, with its uh, second week uh, with a $32.2 million. But the real superhero of the weekend was Universal's high concept genre pick, Cocaine Bear. High concept. <laughs> well, John's the only one who's seen it out of three of us. So I saw Ant-Man though. I could tell you right I now. I saw that as well. Saw that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. I will tell you right now, John, having only seen Ant-Man, I imagine mm-hmm. any other movie I would, will have, would have seen or could see mm-hmm. have since will be better than Ant-Man. Including cocaine, really? even not having seen it. That's disappointing. I have not seen either mm. of them, and I would mm. like to see both of them. <laughs> yeah, oh I think maybe I enjoyed them about <sighs> the same amount. Okay, which is to say, Ant Man is no better than Cocaine Bear, is what I'm okay. saying essentially. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not meant to be a Cocaine mm-hmm. Bear compliment. Mm-hmm. It's really been meant to be a dig on Ant Man. I think. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, if Marvel can't race right, right or can't surpass. A mm-hmm. cocaine bear yeah. with a fraction of its budget. Yeah. You come out of the movie sometime and you're, you're finished with the movie and you come out and you go, hmm, well, I've seen that now. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, I, neither oh. of them do I come out and go, yes, that was amazing. You remember that oh. part where, no, nah, it's just, it was all what I saw in the moment and uh-huh. they both kind of felt that way, yeah. but cocaine oh. bear had much smaller stakes. It, it right. didn't have to work so hard to accomplish that, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> right. Your expectations were perhaps yeah. um, right. not as high. Oh, Very low. Well, the thing is- okay. But the Ant-Man for me, and this isn't a Marvel review show, and certainly doesn't fit into the 1980s, but the problem I had with the Ant-Man was, to your point, John, when I left the theater, I literally said to my friend who I saw it with, that was an unnecessary story. Like that, the impact of it on the larger franchise, zero. Interesting. Even the thing they suggest is going to have an impact. If you really think about it, no impact. Hmm. Anyway. 
Yeah. All right. So as being part of the Marvel universe, it's just, yeah. It could, that's, that, that film could not have happened and everything else that's happening in these other films would be perfectly That's fun. right. You can oh. skip it and be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but with regards to Cocaine Bear, it was uh, directed by Elizabeth yeah. Banks. It's a dark comedy about a drug smuggling operation that goes awry when, and again, this is the fictional version, a 500 pound bear ingests a duffel bag of cocaine and goes on a killing <laughs> rampage in a small town in Georgia. Again, we told the real story last week. In reality, the bear was 175 pounds and died as soon as it took the co- ate the cocaine. Uh, but like we're talking about box office here, Cocaine Bear opened to $23 million. Uh, they're suspecting mm-hmm. that uh, it did so uh-huh. well and maybe stole from Ant-Man because it drew away younger uh, adults, particularly men. And overseas, it made an additional $5.3 million. So the, but the to- so total box office, what, $28.4 million. Unlike mm-hmm. Ant-Man, though, its budget was in the double digits, estimated at around $35 million before they had to spend any uh, marketing money. And that was probably all in CGI, um, really, because like there are no huge names in this. Right. There's no like crazy sets. There's no <laughs> amazing stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's just all, you know, CGI bears is right. really the biggest expense, <laughs> I would guess, yeah. outside of the talented, you know, uh, creative people that do the work, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I heard, John, again, I've only seen the trailer, but that the bear was pretty convincing. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's certainly. Bears I mean, you could tell it's a CGI bear, but you didn't, it didn't distract you all the time. Okay. You know, it's not like that uncanny valley bear. Mm. So I wonder if it's more because of the things that it does. Like a bear's not doing that. <laughs> Could, wouldn't do that. So that, you know, is fake. But otherwise, the graphics of it, et cetera, the animation yeah. seems realistic enough. He's doing very berry stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just he just happens to be doing it violently and repeatedly and while hunting cocaine. And there's only one bear? Are there no other spoilers. Bears? No spoilers, cat. I'm not going to say. I'm not spoiling. Oh, not movie say. just came out. Okay, okay. And I want to see it. There is at least one bear, yes. Okay. No parrots, oddly enough, though. Uh, The most surprising thing was that Cocaine Bear was only predicted to open to to the tune of about 15 to $17 million. So it crushed that estimate. What else is out? If you want to go to the movies, Mm -hmm. if you've already seen Ant-Man, this is it? Mm -hmm. This is what's out right now. Yeah. Well, there was something about Jesus. Again, there's nothing out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was, yeah, that was part of this. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know nothing about that, so. So I learned a little bit more with regard to this uh, film and the film is set in the 1980s, much like the real story. And that's, you know, why mm-hmm. we're curious about it. And again, we shared the real story just uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but according to uh, the Hollywood reporter, Cocaine Bears writer never budged on its outlandish title. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Jimmy Warden noted that uh, he said, quote, it's not every day that a title comes your way that describes the movie in two words. <laughs> He's right. You need, right? End quote. You don't need to know anything else. There's cocaine and there's a bear. That's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Warden came to the true story that inspired his screenplay by way of Twitter. Just like oh. how every writer is inspired these days. Yeah. <laughs> Social media. <laughs> or TikTok. One of those, sure. <laughs> now, I thought it was cool to read this in the Hollywood Reporter where it talks about the real story. It says, as the tale yeah. goes, a black uh-huh. bear was found in the forests of Georgia in 1985, surrounded by 40 opened containers of cocaine. The drugs uh-huh. were traced back to Andrew Thornton, a convicted drug mm-hmm. smuggler. And, and we knew who that was. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah. So uh, Warden, uh, again, the screenwriter of the film, he said he wanted to fill in the blanks to answer the age-old question, what would happen if you gave an apex predator cocaine? <laughs> Other than humans, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said his goal in uh, writing the story was to not disappoint the audience. Right. Uh, which, of course, required him to focus more on this, uh, you know, over-the-top animal, high on drugs, murdering people, and less on the story that uh, we featured on our episode, which had to deal more with the uh, drug smuggling trade. I, I do have to right. say it was a little, yeah. it was interesting to read about how it's a black bear. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. was thinking to myself, 
when, when we did our story last week, like black bears, they're not grizzlies. They're not polar bears. They're not. That's right. Brown yeah. bears. In the opening scene of the film, I learned one of those little sayings that I'd never heard before. They, these hikers see the bear for the first time and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, what color is it? Black fight back, brown uh, lie down or something. Right. It was like they tried. They had this little rhyme. Yes. And then they were yeah. debating like, is it black or brown? It's kind of dark over there. Okay. So it was more part of the joke, but I hadn't heard that little saying, but yeah. they do talk about the fact, that, oh, black bears are very kind. They're nice. Surely it's not a black uh, bear doing yeah. this. right? Uh, yeah. That's why I just don't, I don't go outside. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That's why I do not go outside. I definitely don't go camping. I don't go in forests where there could be bears. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I do not want to have to remember a limerick in order to be able to defend my life. I can see my red on black your- bad for Jack. Is it a coral snake or King? I don't know. Yeah. Just bite me. Find out. There once was a little old bear from Nantucket. Uh. <laughs> well, John was saying the rhyme. I was looking at your face and I'm thinking, Will's like, that's why I don't go. Uh, yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> don't want to have to think about the color of the bear. Listen, I won't even go outside to watch a Duran Duran concert. I'm certainly not going out in yeah, the woods that, where there's no concert. Yes, that open Can't get place, him on the lawn. That lawn, though, right behind it, you know, 100 feet or so, that's a forest. <laughs> Duran Duran could be reflexing while a black bear is dragging my ass off that lawn. And nobody would notice. You'd be like this. Well, dancing. I won't. <laughs> you think I'd let a bear drag you away? Remember the rhyme. Well, remember the rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Uh, so Warden, the screen, back to this story. Warden, the screenwriter, mm-hmm. didn't expect anybody would ever read the screenplay because he did understand how quite, uh, you know, ridiculous it seemed, especially with the title of Cocaine Bear. He said, so he did it to just entertain himself. Wow. Um, ultimately, the someones that did come to read it, though, were Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who, mm-hmm. uh, with with whom Warden had worked as a production assistant on uh, 21 mm-hmm. Jump Street, the, mo- the movie, if you remember. These are the two folks who brought yeah. us that and a number of other projects. They were the first mm-hmm. directors of uh, Solo before they were fired and Ron Howard was brought in oh. as well. Anyway, okay. they ultimately wanted to do it. They loved it. So, John, uh, is this film worthy yeah. uh, enough for a sequel? Oh. Worst things get sequels. Mm-hmm. Look, I didn't walk out <laughs> mad that I won my money back. But okay. I didn't say I can't wait to watch this again. So I, th- I think there's room to improve on this story and yeah. do more with it. So okay. maybe not maybe not this story. Maybe not this bear. Maybe not this cocaine. Maybe not these people. <laughs> not this bear. We cast the bear bear. Yeah. Well, I think this bear has had this bear's story. Uh, but I, there's, there's... There's other bears with other yeah. stories. Um, well, John, uh, earlier this month, New Zealand authorities announced that 3.2 tons of cocaine had been intercepted in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, yes. After which numerous social media users pitched the idea of a second movie, Cocaine Shark. I'm in. Uh, ultimately. I'm in. Ultimately, now he's back in. Wait. Forget wait. everything he said about the bear. We're on a shark now. No, I stand by my comments on the bear, but if it's a cocaine yeah, shark, bear. I'm there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, ultimately, they asked Banks if she would consider taking another project, tackling another project featuring a coked out animal. She replied, Affirmative. Quote, if there's a great story, then sure. Jaws with cocaine? I don't see how that loses, end quote. Apparently, neither does John. To see, how see that that's the opportunity for the franchise. You don't do Cocaine Bear 2. You do Cocaine Shark, yeah. Cocaine Tiger, Cocaine Elephant, Cocaine Giraffe, right? You just, you just pick all these yeah. animals that should not be dangerous, like a black bear, yeah. and give them cocaine and let them, like, what would be funnier than, you know, Cocaine Hippo or something? <laughs> just, well, yeah. I well, like- Hippos are dangerous. Though. Imagine yeah. on cocaine, oh, yeah. though. How much more dangerous? Oh. <laughs> I do want to know what it would be like to flee from a cocaine giraffe. 
Like, do you have time before it has to duck down and bite you or are you just getting trampled because it's fast? Like, I don't know how fast they are. I don't know. I think they just grab you with their long purple tongue. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. could, but they'd have to lean down. So I think, all right, I got time. As soon as that thing starts coming down, unless I could run with its head down. It's like a tower falling over. Right, yeah. I don't know. I got to do some research. Top five ways to escape a giraffe. Number three will shock you. Hey, it, it's clickbait. <laughs> Number three. I hate those things, yeah. I but I click on them anyway. I, I got to find out. What I got to know for sure that it's garbage. Yeah. That was uh, shocking. Hey, on, in, in other 1980s news, per his recent interview on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Tom Cruise says he has no plans to retire from stunts. So, okay. you know, this reminded me of our, our conversation, you know, just a couple of weeks ago now before the cocaine bear about uh, getting old versus getting older. And right. it seems like Tom Cruise mm -hmm. is planning on the one and not the other. Mm -hmm. Cruise told the late night talk show host that he doesn't have any intention of cutting back on the dangerous gags he does in his films, including the Mission Impossible uh, franchise. When Kimmel asked Cruise, who's now 60, whether he'll still be doing stunts when he's in his 80s, Cruise said, quote, I'm planning on it. I've been doing it my whole life, always writing, always working on stories and writing skits. I was that mm -hmm. kid that I would crawl out uh, of the attic. This made me think of cat crawl out of the attic and be on the roof when I was about four years old, because I liked looking at the sky and the clouds and stars and quote, I think I could see cat doing that at four. Now, why, um, why could you picture me doing that? Because That's what so I've curious. learned about you and your youth, you know, seemed like, you know, you had this sort of <laughs> reckless abandon. Mm. Mm, yeah. And you love the outdoors. And so mm, to be able to mm -hmm. go out and look at the sky, even if it means sneaking out onto your roof, <laughs> you might do that. Wow. We, the neighbors yelled at us one time because we were out on the roof. See, I got it. It's none of the neighbor's <laughs> business if you're on, were you on their roof? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell them to shut up and go inside with Will. There's no reason for them to be looking yeah, on your roof. That's right. <laughs> Honey, come inside. There's bears out there. Let the kid do whatever they want. <laughs> that's what I'd be saying. So Kat, if you had a similar to Tom Cruise childhood, do you also do your own stunts? I would want to do my own stunts. There you go. Yes. Okay. Although I, I, I stink at cartwheels. It's put in the contract. No cartwheels. That's good. <laughs> no cartwheels. So if we, if we get you cast well. in cocaine giraffe, then no cartwheels, uh -huh. do them out of stunts. Perfect. Nope. Got it. No. I would climb the giraffe. Oh. Yeah, leap on its back somehow. Mm -hmm. Get the top, fun. grab those two horns and just pull. <laughs> <laughs> just no. That's, it turns off, once you break the horns off, the thing just collapses into like, like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> just skin and bones. Those are the antenna. Oh, no. it, it can no longer speak to the mothership. Yeah, that's right. They're coordinating. They're, they're running in sync. <laughs> Will gets it. But no cartwheels. No cartwheels. No cartwheels. Put that in there. Although uh, Cruise is now at an age where other actors typically slow down and let the stuntmen take over, he hasn't slowed down. And if you've seen, there's already this, I think it's in the trailer, but there's also a behind the scenes little vignette where he shows one of the stunts. They did this for the other Mission Impossible films too. They show him making or and doing a stunt from mm -hmm. the upcoming film. Right. And this one, he, talk about parachuting, the dude, you know, he takes, he's on a motorcycle and he jumps off of a ramp into a canyon. And then as he's falling in the canyon, of course, the bike is, is falling away. It's on its different sort of arc. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He uh, pulls a ripcord on a parachute and he base jumps. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's done it enough now that he effectively, he kind of is a stunt. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's he's not like, you know, yeah. some, you know, I'm a superstar now. I'm gonna do my own stunts. No, settle down, Charlie. This is not, <laughs> but yeah. Tom Cruise has been doing this forever. So he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's probably That's in the brotherhood true. of stuntmen. Yeah. Right now. So the only risk they have is if he does get injured, like he did that time he, of hurt, he broke his ankle on yeah. one stunt. Right. They lose oh. time production wise. Sure. But if you don't yeah. let him do it, then you don't get Tom Cruise. Because he wants to do the stunts. Oh. That's that's the problem. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. 
So, well, I think right. at this point too, these films, he's producing them himself. It's his own company, so he can mm-hmm. hire or fire himself. You know, or I would never <laughs> fire myself. That would be silly. Yeah. Fire everyone else. Just fire. <laughs> fire itself. Cruz also revealed during that interview with Jimmy Kimmel that he was crying during his reunion with Val Kilmer in Top mm. Gun Maverick. Now, as a coincidence, I just rewatched this movie like two or three days ago. Okay. Oh, cool. And it gets to that scene and Cruz is all teary-eyed. And I did have this moment where I thought to myself, I don't know that I can recall seeing him with this emotion before mm-hmm. in a film. Because he's usually kind of Tom Cruise always. Yeah. Right? Yeah, More yeah. or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it turns out, you know, he was experiencing some real feelings at them. Knowing, for me, watching that film again, I was anticipating that moment. Like for me, that mm-hmm. was so powerful right. for me to watch and just watching it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's two things. One, having seen these characters together know what they went through in the first film. But mm-hmm. two, probably more importantly, is knowing what Val Kilmer went through personally uh, yeah. before he was able to, you know, be on, on, on screen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, for right. folks who don't know, he underwent a throat cancer treatment in 2014 and had, you know, it took him a while to recover and he still never regained the use of his voice. Not fully, certainly. I was never really a huge Tom Cruise fan. Yeah. Ever. And of course, there's plenty of his movies I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And But I have to say, I, I like him more now than I ever really? used to. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I've always been yeah. a reluctant Tom Cruise fan. Like, like I don't mm. seek out his films. And I'm like, oh, some Tom Cruise mm. movie. And then I watch it like, damn it, that was a good movie. Oh, I hate that that's <laughs> yeah. a good movie. Yeah, he just tends to be in things that I like. And he, he has the sure. on-screen presence and the charisma and he can carry a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, even when he played mm-hmm. Reacher and he's way too little to play Reacher in the Reacher movie yes. some years ago, I still enjoyed oh, it. Yeah. You know, it's just I, despite myself. So he's got something going for him. Uh, with regard to that scene, Tom Cruise said, I was crying. I got emotional. I've known Val for decades. For him to come back and play that character, he's such a powerful actor that he instantly became that character again. You're looking at Iceman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene's fantastic. And you know, and uh, can we spoil that movie? Is it, is it been out? Well, it's been on Paramount yeah. for streaming oh, yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah, it's been out for a while. I was wondering if when he does, you know, he types most of what he's saying. And then yeah. at that last moment, there's a dramatic moment where he actually does speak, but it's very softly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was his, their, his son again. Because oh. I don't think he could even speak that strongly as that, you know. The, really? Right. I don't know. Interesting. Because right, we know about the work in Willow we yeah. talked about a few weeks ago, right? Uh, and if you've noticed, just yeah. finishing this out with yeah. Tom in 1980s Tom Cruise news, uh, there's this little clip going around where Steven Spielberg is, I don't say whispering, because he's, he's, on, he's on a red carpet. I think they were, uh, they were at the 2023 20, uh, Oscar nominees mm-hmm. luncheon. So just recently. Uh-huh. And he's telling Tom Cruise that Top Gun Maverick saved Hollywood. He said, he says, uh, he, oh. he says to a Spielberg sister Cruz, you saved Hollywood's ass and you may have saved theatrical distribution. <laughs> Seriously. Top Gun wow. Maverick might've saved the entire theatrical industry. Oh my. <laughs> uh, the film, which is the sequel to 1986 Top Gun is nominated for six Oscars, including best picture. Which is unusual, isn't it? Cause that's not typical for. Oh yeah. Oh, for like a big testosterone right? action flick. No. Yeah. Testosterone. It's a six type of pasta. Yeah, you've heard of it. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Chef Boyardee. The San Francisco treat. Testosterone. Yeah. And you see uh, Sylvester Sloan's image on the can. Yeah. Hey, yo. Testosterone. All right. Hey, that was 1980s news. You know, John, did you listen to the show this week? Cocaine Bear? This show? Did you listen back? Never. No, the Cocaine Bear one? Did you listen? Yes, of course. Did you did. listen, Kat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I was inspired by John's occasional roar to add that, you know, formal cocaine bear thing in there. 
I, I, I wanted to ask you about that because yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I did hear that. We didn't hear that when we were That's recording. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. It was to cover up my <laughs> subpar roaring. He said, added some official roaring. Well, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. You should have a roar there. Oh my God. And then when John roars after, it's like, oh, he's just so pleased with that roar that he now wants to roar too. <laughs> just another way for right, Will hey. to steal all the glory. Yes. And edit out all of your whatever. He did a lot of Any credit. Yeah. Stealing glory? I did a lot of that? <laughs> we were joking about you doing it. <laughs> right. Like, I love the cute little part where it's like, cat, he just stole your joke. And you're like, I yeah. don't care. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Have that on he does it all the time. Right. I'm used to it. Oh, and you know, and what was it? And, and there's truth in jest. Mm. You guys cut me to the quick. <laughs> um, hey, all right. Hey, look, in spite of how I'm feeling at the moment, I already told you we're going to do this. So we're going to do it. Damn it. We're going to do it. Right. I don't and like you we'll, people. We'll see what happens. I don't want to be end. here, but I will do the game. Damn it. Maybe we won't do any other episodes ever, but we're doing this one. <laughs> So, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm going to challenge you guys to I identify or, let's see, uh, determine whether or not mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. certain 1980s songs are uh, were, or, or covers of earlier songs. I'm terrified of this game, Cat, because I'm excited. this requires a wealth of musical knowledge that I lack. So Maybe. I'll be lucky if I know the songs we're talking about. Forget about whether there was a previous version. Have I heard um, this song? That's good. For funny. the most part, and John, uh, you, you were saying that you're worried that maybe you don't know any of these songs. Terrified. I guarantee you know all these songs. We're talking okay. about top 40, mm. if not okay. top 10 all hits. All right, all right, fair. I was sort of thinking, um, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you two songs, for the most part. There's, mm -hmm. there's one little variety uh, that we'll get to. Okay. But okay. I'm going to give you two songs and just ask mm -hmm. you to identify which of those songs is, in fact, not an original song, but a cover okay. Of an earlier song. Okay. That's it. Simple. And to reveal the correct answer, I will play the original song that was okay. covered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you want you guys really, you don't have to keep score. You want to go back and forth. You want to work together as a team. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You can just take your separate guesses. This amounts to nothing. <laughs> Except <laughs> your undying admiration is hanging in the balance. I'm happy to work together, Kat. I'm absolutely happy to work together collaboratively with Kat if she's up for it. Absolutely. All right, okay. we'll talk. We'll talk it through. Okay, first yeah. up, which of these is a, actually a cover song? Hall and Oates' "Family Man" from 1982, okay, or Huey Lewis's "Hip to Be Square" from 1986. Mm. Wow, one of those is not an original song. All right, so what? I have I have a I have a non musical theory. Okay, <laughs> so I feel like. Hip to be square mm -hmm. is using fifties lingo in the eighties. Mm -hmm. So only because of that, no bearing on the hollow note song at all, but mm -hmm. my, if I, if I was guessing on my own, but that's mm -hmm. what I'm contributing to our team cat is that the, the hip to be square <laughs> stuff is it's so fifties and that was in the eighties. So that's maybe that one. Reminiscent of that. I, I got to say, I was feeling really bold. Like, Oh, I'm going to get all of these. <laughs> Like, oh no. <laughs> but you do know both those songs though, at least, right? We I can say. do. Oh, certainly. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. I good. love both of those songs. And I really, I mean, I wouldn't say I know my Hall & Oates history, but we, mm -hmm. we had, you know, a couple of their albums that I listened to a lot. And, um, and, and so my, my first in instinct is like, no, all their songs are original, but now I don't mm -hmm. know. <laughs> um, but I'm going to, I think that's as good a line to follow as any, John. I'm going to go with you on that one. All right, and to, to, to share with you the correct answer, I'm going to play the original song. Okay. Here. She had oh. 
Wow. Hmm. Who is I gotta say, in many instances, the originals are superior. I think I like this one better than Hall and Oates. Really? So who is that and when? Do we know that? Ooh, when? Yes. So this is a song written by Mike Oldfield and Maggie Riley and a number of oh. other folks. But okay. <laughs> oh, those guys? The old. Oh, no, I'm like Mike Oldfield, I'm familiar with. Oldfield and Riley? Oh, okay. Uh, Maggie Riley, you also heard her singing there. Uh, it was taken from uh, Oldfield's uh, studio album, Five Miles Out. Uh, it became a hit song in 1982, reaching number 29 on the Canadian Hot 100 chart and number 45 yeah. on the UK singles chart, but it wasn't a big hit here. But it, okay. All right. That explains hmm. it. <laughs> of course, it did become a big hit when it was covered by Hall and Oates on yeah, their right. H2O album. Wow. I, by the way, I remember being a kid. We had that H2O album. Thinking how cool basement. it was that it worked out H2O yes! for Hall and Oates, and there's two of them, right? It's like, wow. Oh. Yeah, when you're a kid, it's like, wow, what a coincidence. And now I'm oh, like, oh, coincidence? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did they name water after them, Mom? <laughs> I, I also loved the, yeah, the cleverness of that. And I have that album. It's in my basement. <laughs> yeah, oh, we're, we're over one, Kat. Yeah, I know. Hall and Oates version reached number six on the U.S. Hot 100 in June of 1983. Wow. Now, as you know, the song, if you're familiar with the song enough, you know it's about a man who's being solicited by a, a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he is pro- yeah. he's protesting, saying that he's a family man. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. The original right. version but of the I song. But I might. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, leave me alone. Hey, don't stand there and look at me because I might cave. You're tempting. <laughs> I'm very resolute, but. Uh, the original version has the woman storm off after she's rejected. Okay. The oh. Hall and Oates version changes some lines, including one in which the man finally gets the nerve to take up the woman on her offer. But wow. she's left. And that's when he belts out the chorus oh. one more time. Right. I, I need to go back and listen to that whole thing as yeah. a kid. I don't I wasn't picking up on any of those nuances. I don't yeah. even know if I really at the time knew what it was about. All right. Hey, here's another one. Which of these uh, 1980s hit songs is actually a cover of an earlier okay. song? Mm-hmm. Don't You Want Me by Human League from 1981 mm. or Obsession by Animotion in 1984. Oh, holy cow. Now, again, you're familiar with these songs, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. I, I have a gut reaction based on no information, but I'm going to let you start, Kat. <laughs> you're going to let me start? I loved your reason earlier, John. I thought that was spot on. Yeah. About the 50s. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know. it was dead wrong. <laughs> it was also dead wrong. That was that was the, a genius way to get zero points. It was so perfectly wrong <laughs> as to almost be right. It should yes. have been right. Such yeah, sound right. reasoning for wrong. Okay, so what are you thinking, Kat? I just I'm feeling mortified, is what I am. <laughs> and then I don't so it, so it, it was obsession, um, or what was the other? Don't one? you want me? Uh, don't you want me? Oh yeah. yeah. Should we flip a coin, <laughs> or tell me what you're thinking? All right, so here's my rationale. Yeah. So don't don't you want me? So this was in the '80s. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of. I feel like for pop music, that was a little on the leading edge of being a little graphic and salacious. Okay. Uh-huh. So I don't see that happening like in the 70s or 60s, although the cover a minute ago was from like a year previous. So it doesn't much matter, you know, era. But really? Animotion and Obsession, like that, I can hear that with a different cadence maybe. So okay. I Obsession okay. would be my I guess, but I just don't see the Human League song happening huh. prior to the 80s because it was a little too... Yeah. Dirty, you know, you know uh-huh. what I mean? That's 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 really it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you sold Let's her. Let's go with it. All right. So you Let's both agreed it. it's obsession, and here is the correct answer. Sure. 
This almost sounds like the cover that we're familiar with, doesn't it? Except for the way uh, the performer's doing the... Yeah, the, I mean, the music literature, is, no, The music, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's very similar Okay, now. that's... Yeah yeah. 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 So this was the originally... course is almost identical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was originally written and recorded as a duet by singer Holly Knight and actor-musician Michael DeBar. Oh, hmm. wow. And okay. recorded as a duet by that... Uh, pair. Uh, mm-hmm. This version was played in the 1983 film A Night in Heaven during a scene in which Christopher Atkins grinds in Leslie Ann Warren's face in sync with the music. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm not familiar with the scene. I just, that's what the idea. Um, no. <laughs> did you, Will, did you say the year? I didn't catch it if you did. Yes. Uh, oh, originally the, 1983. So just a year later, it was covered by Anderson Really? Again, just very quickly, but yeah. Yep. So, but again, Human League did not have like a like a fifties, you know, do you want to have sex with me song? So mm-hmm. I was right. yeah. Michael DeBar, if you, if you recall, you've, you, I guarantee you've seen him. He's an actor and a musician. You're probably more familiar with him as an actor because you recognize his face than his songs. Although he had, I think four or five bands over the course of his uh, music career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a regular on a number of different 1980s TV shows, including MacGyver. He was okay. in films like the Ghoulies. Uh-huh. Um, but I thought this was interesting. Among his music credits, DeBar, I hope he's saying his, his name correctly. Uh-huh. His band, Checkered Past, opened for a few Duran Duran shows during their 1984 tour. Oh. So in 1985, when Robert Palmer withdrew from Power Station, DeBar was uh, asked to take his place. That's why I know his name. Oh, yeah. I saw that concert when I saw Power Station. Oh, okay. That's, I'm thinking, why do I know his name? Because I'm not mm-hmm. great at movies and remembering actors, right? Yeah. But for some reason that was lodged. It's, I saw him on stage. <laughs> And, oh and you were like, that's not Robert Palmer. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I, we went in knowing we weren't going to get Robert Palmer, okay. but yeah. that's, that's why Michael DeBar yeah. was up there. I believe yeah, he, yeah. he was with them also when they performed uh, for Live Aid as well. I think Robert Palmer was ah, gone by then. That would make sense. Uh, anyway, Animotion's version in 1984 reached number five on the UK singles and number six on the US Billboard Hot 100. Okay, here. The third one I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to do it, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Instead, Ooh. this time, I'm going to play you the original song. Okay. And I want to see if you can tell me what song it is and okay. the more challenging thing may be, I admit, uh-huh. mm. to uh, tell me who performed the version, the cover that we're most familiar with. Who performed mm. it? All okay. right, so here is okay. the original song uh, mm-hmm. that was ultimately covered in the 1980s. Okay. Okay. City streets you used to walk along with me And every step I take recalls how much in love we used to be Oh, how can I forget, forget you, girl. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah because Always something there to remind there's me There's always, yes, yes that's right <laughs> I just had to go through the rest of the lyrics to get there. I, yes, that's exactly good. what I had to do. I had to sing it. Oh my god! I've got to say this. I, I like this version a lot. It's it's catchy. It's like I walk yeah. along the city yeah. streets you used to walk along. So uh, look, the, this version that we just played here was written in the 1960s by songwriting wow. team Burt Bacharach, who we just uh-huh. lost unfortunately, yeah. and Hal David. Uh-huh. These are the guys who brought us What's New Pussycat, Raindrops, Raindrops Keep yeah. Falling on My Head, and a number of other hits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it first it's kind of a Velvet Room, isn't it? It's a little, 
<laughs> it's a little lounge singer. Yeah, yeah right. Or elevator yeah. music kind of. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I think is keeping with the, you know, sort of the, certainly the back, what I think of as Burt Bacharach. Um, yeah. It was first, it first charted for Lou Johnson, whose version reached number 49 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the summer of 1964. English singer Sadie Shaw had a number one hit in the UK with her version of oh. no, in November of that same year. But okay. it was this cover that I just played you by R.B. Greaves that first entered the top 40 in the US, which reached wow. number 27 in February of 1970. Mm-hmm. 20 years later after it was composed, it was covered by this English new wave band. I think I know. Okay. John, do you have a guess? Nope. <laughs> I thought maybe you didn't. Is, nope. this, is this Naked Eyes? That's right! Well done. Good job, well done, Kat. Really good job, Thank Kat. Yes. I'm glad I'm on your team. <laughs> yeah. See, I can reason it out, but I can't just pluck information from the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they actually, I, vocalist uh, Pete too. Byrne and keyboardist Rob Fisher first cut this song as one of their demos, which actually landed them a record deal with EMI. Byrne recorded the vocals at Abbey Road Studios at 1 a.m. after attending a party with Paul McCartney and others. Oh, wow. He says it was the first time he ever recorded a vocal in one take. Wow. Uh, their version entered mm-hmm. the Billboard Hot 100 in March of 83 at, and peaked at number eight by that June. It was mm-hmm. also a top 10 hit in Australia and Canada, although it only reached mm-hmm. number 59 in their homeland, the UK. Wow. All right. Naked mm-hmm. eyes. All right. Back yeah. to this. All right. So here, back to the way we were doing in here. Oh, good. Now I can contribute because we're going back to the way we did it before. <laughs> oh, John, John, you said it before I did. You you got there. You you, you were there. I just said it. Yeah. 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 Hey, you guys are a great team. I, I learned this, you know, last week when you uh, joined forces to disrupt the show pretty much for the entire hour. Um, all right. Hey, I'm going to give you two songs. You tell me which one is the cover. Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper from 1983 or Time After Time by Cindy Lauper from 1984. Ooh. Um, mm. Mm. <laughs> what do you think, Kat? I, my gut, I don't actually know, but my gut is going towards Time After Time. Same. Okay. Same. Again, not based on any facts. Right. If you don't right. know, you, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the gut feeling is that girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't hear it being earlier, like in the yeah. late 70s or anything. Sure. I, I don't think, you know, it's yeah. not melodic. It's not fight the power. It's not the, it's, it's purely the me generation. It's an 80s song. So even if it, if it is that one, mm-hmm. I feel like it happened in the 80s, not too far mm. behind it. But sure. I would yeah, say, yeah, yeah. time seen. after time, it sounds like the kind of ballad that mm-hmm. could easily be reconfigured into it. All right. One here is the correct answer. And yeah. that's a guy singing it, right? It is, yeah. That is, that sounds like this a song guy. was written and first recorded in 1979 by Robert Hazard. Oh, 79. Yeah, so, so close you're... to the 80s. Yep. That's a very different song with a male vocalist. Yes. Mm-hmm. When it's Cindy Lauper, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. female empowerment. Right. Yes. When it's right. a guy singing, it's almost like judgmental. Oh, yes. interesting. Uh-huh. It's, it's like saying uh-huh. girls just want to have fun. Like that's all they want. Where Cindy Lauper was saying, yeah. you know, stop judging us. We're just having fun. It's right. a totally different song. I did not hear it ever being that way, but wow. oh, wow, that's weird. Yeah, it hit me when uh, in the song when he, when he says the lyrics, mommy yeah. dear, you know, you're still number one. Girls just want to have fun. So look, look, mom, you're of substance and of certain value. Mm-hmm. 
The fact that right. I'm leaving to hang out with these young chicks instead. Right. Right. I'm hanging with these this tramps. You're still my mom. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to go tell them to leave me alone. I'm a family man, but I'll be back. Right. Oh. But if they push me too far, yes. giggity. <laughs> uh, this uh, the single, of course, for was Lopper's breakout hit, reaching number two on the US, on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart and number two on the UK singles chart. Okay. It's been covered either by a stu- as a studio recording or a live uh, performance by over 30 artists now since. Wow. All right. I, I didn't since. know that either. <laughs> here is another one here. Which of these is a cover? Mm-hmm. Tainted Love by Soft Cell from 1981 or Ooh. Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode mm. from 1981? Tainted Love, I think. But what do you think, John? I'm trying to go through both of them in my head. Each uh-huh. time it's almost like, can I hear in my head a reorchestration or a new arrangement of this? Right. Or is the way it is the only way I can hear it? Yeah, and the cu- like, tainted love, I yeah. could go. Ahead. Well, what were you saying? I was saying the curious thing about these is they're both synthesized more like synthesizer heavy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, it almost clouds my ability to hear it another way. Sure. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, tainted love is so attached to soft cell that I would be super surprised to learn that it was a cover, but okay. like, I can't hear the other one as being a cover. Honestly, mm. I can't hear, okay. just can't get enough. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm leaning toward soft cell. Are you? Okay. And you are as well, Kat, right? Tainted oh, love. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Tainted yeah. love. All right. I'm Here is right. the correct answer. Uh-oh. It's a good thing. <laughs> we got it. This is a nice. superior song. This is much better than Soft Cell. Nice. I demand a... Dun, dun. Okay. We, we reasoned it out, Kat. Yeah. We did. We did. Yeah, yes. A little so, bit of gut, a little bit of reason. Turns out Tainted Love is a song composed by Ed Cobb, formerly of the American group The Four Preps. Mm-hmm. which was originally recorded by Gloria Jones in 1964 and then again in 1976. Both wow. times, however, the song failed to chart. Hmm. Of course, it then later attained worldwide fame after being covered and reworked by the English synth-pop duo Soft Cell in 1981, mm-hmm. and it's since been covered by a number of other artists. You know, the mm-hmm. Soft Cell version, I've almost heard it too much now, especially at weddings and stuff. I'm like, I'm just done with it. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like Toto's Africa. I'm done with that song. Oh. I never need to hear that song. I don't know again. that I could ever be done with that one. Oh, I like I, that too much. Every eighties, like play eighties hits. And it's like Africa, Africa, Africa. I, enough with the Africa. There were other songs in the world. Okay. Here's tub thumping. No, quit it. It's not even the eighties. You idiot. I know. It's just, uh, they you. come not up you, all the you, time. John. That was a judgment on you. <laughs> Uh, It was a major hit in the U.S. during the second British invasion. The song Mm -hmm. spent a then record 43 weeks on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number eight. Uh, In 2010, DJ Ian Frank DeWurst, I'm going to say, recalled he put Tainted Love on when Mark Almond, the duo's singer who worked as a cloakroom guy, came Mm -hmm. to ask if it was Jones's recording before asking to tape it. Sometime Mm -hmm. after, Soft Cell began performing the song live in their set list. So okay. I guess this DJ is uh, claiming to have inspired them to uh, cover it. Oh, okay. gotcha. Okay. Sure. All right, look, here we go again. I'm going to flip the script on you, as the kids would say, and I'm going to play you the original song. Oh, okay. See if you can okay. tell me the cover, the 1980s cover that was a big hit, mm-hmm. and also who performed it. Her lips are sweet 
say it? Uh, I'm done Please. playing you any yeah. part of it. <laughs> you what? I'm not going to play you any more of it. That would give it away. Oh, that's it. Okay. Well, right, right, right. John, do you have a guess? I know what it is. No, not to recognize it. It's Betty Davis eyes. That's right. <laughs> ah, isn't that a great version? I love that. That's yeah, that's fun. <laughs> It was being it's played very, under the big top. Do they have a calliope? What are they? Right. Like a burlesque <laughs> yeah. kind of feel the, to it. Yeah. The quality might not be coming through through the board too mm-hmm. well. But again, I think I might like that better than the nice. 80s version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I know who did it. Okay. All right. I have a name in my head. Okay. Is it Kim Carn? Cat, yes! Wow. Go, cat, go. <laughs> cat. I'm, yeah. I'm better at these than I am at the other ones. <laughs> mm. We're most familiar with Kim Carnes' version from 1983. It was actually written by Donna Weiss and Jackie DeShannon in 1974 and recorded by Jackie DeShannon later that year. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim Carnes' version, however, was the number one song for five weeks on the Billboard Hot 100, although it was mm-hmm. later interrupted for one week by Stars on 45 Medley. You guys remember those records? <gasps> Wait, what? When they do like these mashup so- of all these songs. Yeah, that's it started so in the seventies or sixties. That can chart. <laughs> it, yeah, I thought it was a gimmick. I had no idea well, that could even chart. I didn't know that either. We could do a show on just these mashup records. I mean, oh, let's do it's that. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How they came to be. <laughs> Instead of this, um, just let's switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so stars on Forty Five Medley. But however, uh, Kim Carnes' song, not stars on Forty Five Medley, was Billboard's biggest hit of the year. It was also a number one hit in twenty one countries, peaking at number ten in the UK and number two in Canada for twelve consecutive weeks. Mm. Mm-hmm. It won a Grammy for Song of the Year and Record of the Year and was ranked at number 12 on Billboard's list of top 100. This is just a lot of numbers. Yeah. Anyway, actress, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something more interesting. Actress Betty Davis, who was 73 yeah. years old at the time, wrote mm-hmm. letters to Carnes, Weiss, and DeShannon uh-huh. to thank them for making her, quote, part of modern times. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe that that might have been my first real awareness of her like who is this betty davis <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. what is it yeah. about her eyes yeah you're right yeah i think that was the first cool all right here here is another one for you please tell me if you would which of these mm-hmm. hit songs from the 1980s is actually a cover okay. is it how will i know by whitney houston from 1985 okay or i feel for you by shaka khan from 1984 Balls. oh right Chuckaballs. I forgot about that. <laughs> so you're very familiar with that song then. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But is it a cover? Yeah. Ours is a cover of that. Yeah, ours right. is a cover. <laughs> ours is a parody. We have our I own, still have yes. yet to make that. We're protected not, by- Not parody. <laughs> this tastes oh, kind of parody. It's kind of beak it all. It's not sitting I, well. <laughs> I just want, mm-hmm. I just want to hear- the original version of How Will I Know? Like, okay. I can hear that being, like, yeah. I can hear that in the mm-hmm. Burke Baccarat style. Like, I, yeah, I can true. hear <laughs> that in my head as, uh-huh. like, oh, that would be, like, I want that to be the right answer, and I want yeah. to hear that kind of version. But they both feel equally likely to me, but I just, like, mm-hmm. I wish it's the first one. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the only thing I have going for it, Kat. Yeah, and John, I'm going to go with you on that for a slightly different reason. I know, okay. I don't know if Whitney Houston wrote any of her own songs, but I do know that there, she had some folks who mm-hmm, wrote songs mm-hmm. for her and I, I forget their name, but I, I, I remember that's not the realm of possibility that it could be a cover. Right. It's not yeah. Like, she like, wasn't so, like adding me. I write my own stuff. No, that's not true. right. So I feel, yeah, I feel like, you know, this, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a particular uh, musical couple who, who wrote songs and it could be that someone else already performed it before. Right. Right. Houston. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm going to go with that. So okay. how will with I know? You. Yes. Yeah, All right, well, and here is the correct answer. No. Okay. Well, this works too, though. This is a good version too. Do you recognize the singer? Um. Nope. Cat will. I don't. Can I hear it again? (laughs) Wait, I want to. Is that Prince? That's right. Really, John? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Not because I've heard it before. It's yes. just like that's the timber of his voice. He yeah. he yes. has that slightly feminine lyrical quality mm-hmm. to his voice, and it just yeah. it, if it wasn't him, it was somebody doing a Prince impression. Like yeah. it seemed like it to me. Yeah. John, that was Lucky. amazing, and I got lost Lucky. thinking, like thinking of female oh, artists. Oh, okay. Like, that's I really. What, oh, yeah. I just went off yeah. on a different track. Awesome. Yeah, it was written by Prince and originally appeared on his 1979 self-titled album. 79. It was not released as a single, although the album mm-hmm. itself peaked at number 22 on the Billboard Top One, Top 200, where it remained for 28 weeks. Mm-hmm. A demo uh, version of the song was released posthumously in October 2019 to celebrate the, the 40th anniversary of the Prince album. Wow. It's staggering how many pop songs, not covers necessarily, but were written by Prince. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. You can start looking at the list. It's like, oh my goodness, without him, we would have missed out on, you know, a quarter of our music. Yes. It's crazy. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Now, how does this work in with the whole Prince being difficult with copyright stuff? I mean, he, he was very protective of his songs. Mm-hmm. He probably got paid. Well, okay. there's, a, there's a couple <laughs> yeah. things, I guess. One, yeah. like John indicated, he gave, he, he, you know, he, he wrote songs for a lot of people, as you know. True. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but interestingly enough, the way copyright law works is anybody can cover anybody's song. Okay. Because it's original composition, basically, when you do it, mm-hmm. right? Because it's substantially different enough. Is that why? No. Actually, no? you have to try, at least according to the law, You it has mm-hmm. to sound as cl- close to the, the original as possible. So oh. in other words, one of, the, one of the ways of, but you know what? No one really, I think, uh, I don't think anybody, um, I don't think there's lawsuits filed over this. But if, yeah. mm-hmm. in theory, a, a, a violation of the copyright law, this provision, mm-hmm. would be if you recorded your cover in a different genre. Interesting. That okay. might be yeah, yeah, yeah. a violation that the artist uh-huh. could object to. But if you wow. were, so anyway, and, but then there's, in, in the law provides for, uh, there's just like a statutory payment. So for every X, you, the original artist gets Y. Yeah. Um, wow. Let's negotiate something else. Sure. You, you just blew my mind over, uh, there's this amazing yeah. cover band called Hayseed Dixie who does bluegrass covers of ACDC. Oh <laughs> my God. Like, well, how did, awesome. they're totally different yeah. genres and they're really good. It's like yeah. dirt deeds and they're done dirt. Oh, I love that. They're <laughs> wonderful. I gotta look that up, yeah. But it's a different genre of covers. It's yeah. not parodies. It's yeah. definitely right. covers. Yeah. Maybe they had an arrangement, but. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. theoretically that would be, you know, considered outside of that provision that allows for folks to do it. But, but would um, someone chase it down, really? I mean- No, not if they're making money. Probably not. No. Right. Yeah. 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 Only okay. if they, they'd be concerned if it somehow harmed their brand, you know? But otherwise, yeah. uh, the, the original arts is going to get paid. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Either yeah. what the statute says or what you negotiate. Mm. Uh, regarding the Shaka Khan song, of course, the better known version of I Feel For You was recorded by Shaka Khan in 1984. Mm-hmm. That version, because I remember we used to break dance to it when I was uh, young. Oh, it includes yeah. rapping from Melly Mel. Okay. Right? You remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. He's the one who does the Shaka Khan. 
Shaka Khan. Uh, Shaka Khan. Uh, rock him like me, rock him. Shaka Khan. <laughs> <Yeah>. The synthesizer <laughs> programming was done by the system's David Frank, and the harmonica playing in the song is actually Stevie Wonder. Oh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Interestingly enough, the song peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100, prevented from further chart movement by Princess Purple Rain. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he, gotcha. He's like, nope. You can't do better than me. You ran into a buzzsaw. <laughs> but uh, to show you how, look, how good a sport he is. And again, he was probably very supportive of this because as we know, he wrote songs. And yeah. uh, well, well, But while touring with Prince in 1998 in support of her collaborative album, Come to My House, Khan and mm-hmm. Prince performed I Feel For You as a duet. Oh, that, I want to hear that. That would be cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, here, I've got another one for you. I'm going to give you two songs. You tell me which one of these 1980 songs is actually a cover. Is it? Girl, You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli from 1988 oh. <laughs> or Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley from 1987. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I have thoughts, but I'm gonna forget. You have thoughts? Wait, what's the first I one? Do. It's the Millie Vanilli. Um, yeah. Girl, You Know It's that? True. Girl, mm-hmm. You Know It's True. I could sing any of the songs you need to. Thank you. No, no, it, no, it's okay. No need. Never, okay. <laughs> Has nothing to do with lip sync and Milli Vanilli, but I just think "Girl, You Know It's True" is such a. Maybe I'm only thinking of the chorus, but it's there's nothing there. Hmm. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it's the beat, it's the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Girl, you know it's true. Ooh ooh ooh, I love you. Yeah. Girl, you know it's yes, true. You ooh, know ooh, it's there's true. nothing ooh, there. You forgot yeah. about yes, no, it, you know it. There you go. Yeah. That's, like, that, that I just feel like they came up with this. What, what? There's no substance to that. I can't imagine a rearrangement of it outside of that. So I feel right. it's, I feel that's yeah. the original, right? So the other one, whatever the heck the other one was, this right. is a vote against Miller Vanilli, basically <laughs> saying that <laughs> their garbage song probably couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. Never going to give, give you up. Yeah. I can hear that one maybe. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, here is the correct answer. This is Crap. Oops. So it really John sucks. has great reasoning. So look, I'm just going to suggest an additional step to your process, John. After you go mm-hmm. through this wonderful logic, do the opposite. Just reverse just my decision. <laughs> we're, we're, I, can't, I can't do that now. But here's the thing, John. As soon as I do. John, yet again, you're so perfectly wrong. Like exactly <laughs> what you said is true. Because think about it. When you said, look, I can't imagine they would rework this, this, this from something. They didn't. It sounds didn't. identical. No. So yeah. you were right. Mm-hmm. Even though yes. you were completely wrong. This may surprise you to know that's, that's oddly not reassuring whatsoever. Oh, I meant it as a compliment. <laughs> oh, I appreciate Did it. Did I not it's say just... no offense at the beginning? <laughs> that, would, that would not have made a lot oh. of difference, but okay. no, you didn't. <laughs> it was first written and recorded by members of the Baltimore-based group Newmarks, which was a collective of local DJs. In 1987, huh. Newmarks released the single Rhymes So Deaf, which received national airplay. The follow-up single to this minor hit was Girl, You Know It's True. Although it wasn't popular in the U.S., it was a hit in German dance clubs. And it was there that Millie Vanilli producer Frank Farian first heard the tune. Mm -hmm. In spring of 88 at Farian's recording studio in Germany, Farian played the original Newmark's version on a turntable for Linda Rocco and Jody Rocco, American twin sisters living in Germany and successful in the music industry there. Farian wanted the ladies to learn what to sing. Hmm. Probably the ooh, 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 I love you part. (laughs) Uh, Soon after, Farian recorded the Rocco sisters singing their parts to a solo drum track. So that's all they had. Later, Charles Shaw was brought in to rap on the track. And eventually, Brad Howell and John Davis were brought in for vocals. In other words, the real Milli Vanilli came to sing. (laughs) All that was probably fascinating, but I must admit, 
I heard none of it because in my head, I'm demaking an arrangement. I'm never going to give you up for big band. <laughs> that could work. Yes. Right. I'm just, I'm in my head, I'm like, you know, yeah. never going to run around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I can just hear there's so much more there mm-hmm. to work with. Yeah. But I, you know, again, I was perfectly wrong. And Cat went along with me. Cat agreed. Yeah. She, I think yeah. she just acquiesced is what she did. She didn't agree. Well, I like, like John's whatever. idea though. I think we should do an episode on like Big <laughs> making band up origin songs? stories for songs. Making you up know? origin stories. Re- making up our own origin stories. Yeah, making them up. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more fun. Yeah. <laughs> of course, look, even though John seems to hate the song, Girl, You Know It's True was a huge success in the US and peaked at number two. I didn't say I hated it. I didn't say I hated it. It's just meh. I just said there's not much substance to it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Okay. So you're projecting uh, hatred on Even though okay. Girl, You Know It's True is the Kiwi Kwan of songs, let's say, from John for John's taste. It was a huge success. Much like that, Kiwi Kwan, it was a huge success in the US. It peaked at number two on the US Billboard Hot 100 for the week ending April 1st, 1999. <laughs> anyway, what? Is this a show still? What, what are we doing here? That was um, amazing. You're getting a anyway, raspberry. It was, kept, it was kept from the top spot by the Bengals' eternal flame. Oh, um, okay. Anyway, that okay. same year, Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus were caught lip syncing on a live performance for MTV. Mm-hmm. And it's too bad because everyone was lip syncing back then. Well, and still are. I mean, Wait, they weren't I know. the only ones. To some extent. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Because the real difference is they couldn't sing at all, whereas people lip syncing yeah, back yes, then were probably yeah, lip syncing their right. own stuff. That's so. right. Okay, here we go. I've got another one for you where I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to play you the original song. Okay. And I want you to tell me uh, which... How did I say this before? I don't know. <laughs> tell me what, the, what's, <laughs> tell me what I'm going to play the original song for that was covered later in the 1980s. I want you to tell me which yep. song it is. That's what it what is. What it is. And yep. also uh, who uh, popularized it for us uh, during mm-hmm. our favorite decade. And All here right. is the original. Escapade? I didn't mean to turn you on. That's right. And Eddie Murphy, cat. Oh, that was an interesting guess there, John. But no, it's Robert Palmer. That's right. Is it? Yes. What was John's guess? I missed it. I said Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Oh, okay. I I was trying to hear that. It's like from his album. Yeah. I'm trying to. Mm -hmm. Like I, I could, could hear, hear him singing it, maybe. It sounds okay. like the Rick James, uh, yeah, the album that Rick James produced for it. Okay. Movie, right? Yeah. 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 I um, respect your answer. Although. Yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Well-reasoned bullshit. <laughs> no, you, you don't, that was not worthy of a compliment. I'm not, that's cat just blowing smoke. I, when I give it, it's sincere. He's oh, my okay. teammate. The original song that I played, which he I, just managed to insult both of us with one statement, Cat. It's <laughs> genius. <laughs> I'm the king of being awful to other people. The I think I like that original. You're version garbage, again. and Cat's garbage <laughs> for too. thinking your garbage isn't garbage. Anyone I'm looking at right now is garbage. Anyone who's not me. Uh, the original song was written by hitmakers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. You've heard of these guys mm. before, I'm sure, Cat. Okay. Uh, and it was originally yep. performed by Sherelle in 1984. This is the writing, producing duo that uh-huh. gave us Janet Jackson's control in 1986. Ah, nice. And worked mm-hmm. with a number of other artists. Uh, mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. written 31 top 10 hits in the UK and 41 in the US. 
Uh-huh. The single was Sherelle's first hit, peaking at number six on the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart and number eight on the Billboard Hot Black Singles chart and mm-hmm. number 79 on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm-hmm. One year later in 1986, Robert Palmer recorded a cover and released it as the fifth single from his album Riptide. Mm-hmm. That single hit number two on the Billboard mm-hmm. Hot 100. All right, here is the okay. final one. I am going to give you two songs from the 1980s that were both hits. And I want okay. you to tell me mm-hmm. which of these was actually a cover. Is it? Der Commissar by After the Fire from 1982 mm. or Rock the Casbah by The Clash also from 1982. My gut is going in one direction, John. Okay. Having a thought about this? I have a thought, you have a but thought? I'm inclined to go the John, other way remember now. my advice. You don't have to take <laughs> I know. It. I know. Let's just see That's how it plays pro- out. Let's just see how it plays out. First, start with the first step. Be as logical and reasonable as you can. I want to hear this. Yep, I want to hear it. <laughs> and then <Okay>. skip it. <laughs> I don't know that I have great reasoning for this one necessarily. Okay. Okay. Of these two songs, like these are, this is the first set of songs that I know least well. I know them, but Mm -hmm. I can sing it for you. That's, I mean, that's generous. (laughs) Okay. Some would say generous. Okay. What was Dear Commissar? What was the second one? Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. By The Clash. No gut. Okay. Kat, I will tell you, Mm -hmm. my gut instinct is Dear Commissar is the cover. So do with that as you will, (laughs) but you didn't see, but you didn't reason it. So there's no reason to go opposite. You're going with gut this time. It's probably going to be right. (laughs) Didn't that work last time? We got one, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think we went with our gut. Remember we got one, right? Good times. (laughs) Those are good times. I don't have it marked down. You got any right. So you guys have a different recollection. Uh, All right. Here you're going with your commissar and here is the correct answer. Yes. 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 Here's your bonus question here. Who is the original writer and performer of this song? Oh my. Um, also had a hit in the 1980s. I don't have an answer, Kat. No guess. I know. It doesn't even help you that he's singing entirely in German. Uh, well, the, the timbre of his voice sounded like 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 I can hear one of these bands, like Tears for Fears era okay. band. It's not, I'm not saying it's them, but I mean, I, like I, it's that sound. You said it already. Sorry, Thanks. Tears for Fears, but it's wrong. <laughs> Kat, I'm sorry. It's not also, laughter. if it wasn't Dear Commissar, I was going to call shenanigans because Will talked me out of the flip-flop. <laughs> he was you like, no, careful. Thought. It was different. You didn't oh, yeah, you got it, it right. Like, That's right. Like you almost talked me out of it. All right, you got it. I'm sorry. I'm stepping right over getting it right. And I'm asking you another question that will force you, you to get something wrong. And then it'll be wrong. Right. Yeah, we need some. Yeah. Okay. We'll find a way to be this wrong. Song this song was originally written. This song, I'm saying originally, it was only written once. It was originally <laughs> performed by somebody else, but it was written go. by Robert Ponger and the gentleman who recorded it, Falco. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, U.S. Yeah. and the U.K., yeah. Falco's version. This is this story is interesting to me. In the U.S. and in the U.K., Falco's version did not perform well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite topping charts elsewhere in Europe and Scandinavia, in mid 1982, however, the British rock band After the Fire recorded the their fire. version mm-hmm. and released it as a single, but mm-hmm. their record also floundered. Oh. Then, coming <laughs> off of a tour opening for Van Halen, After the Fire was working on new material for another album when in December of 82, the group announced on stage during a concert, that's it, they were done. And they oh. were disbanding. Oh my. During this time though, both After the Fire and Falco versions started becoming more popular in Canada. Oh. Neither mm-hmm. still had cracked the US uh, pop charts. 
Mm-hmm. Around this time, this is this is like the uh, dark horse entering the race here. Mm-hmm. Laura Branigan of Gloria and Self Control uh-huh. fame, yeah, while working on her second album, records a song called "Deep in the Dark," where mm-hmm. she takes the music from Der Kommissar and mm-hmm. replaces all the words. Okay, I have a little bit of that. See if you can. I would if love you can, to hear uh, that. Hear yeah. it. To hear how she changes the words here. Yeah, I'll tell you a secret if you know where to keep it and you promise not to tell. Got a tale or two about a girl that you could have sworn you knew so well years, years ago. Though it sounds like yesterday. You came on strong and she gave it all away. That's better. Yeah. Yeah, I like that better. Interesting. I'm not sure if the chart history for that single, which was her third single off the album, is unknown. But the album itself yeah. reached 29 mm-hmm, uh, on the mm-hmm. U.S. Billboard 200. I don't know that I've ever heard a Falco wow. album before Falco 3. Like, I don't, I wasn't aware of his work prior to Rock Me Amadeus. That was the only thing I, so. That's what I was going to say. What did Falco do? Why can't I think of it, Rock Me Amadeus? Yeah, so. like, I would never have known he ever did anything because yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was that. Then, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. finally, just to close out this story, after the Fire's mm-hmm. version finally hit the U.S. charts, the Hot 100 yeah. on February, in February of 1983 and started rising, uh-huh. though they barely nicked their home country's top 50. Uh, in part, they were helped by extensive airplay and MTV. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, right. MTV helped a lot that. of people. That's that. Yeah. I don't know how well you guys did. Uh. <laughs> All right, now that's truly all of everything. I've got nothing <laughs> left. Nothing left? Except a headache. <laughs> and the need to thank the folks who bring our show to you every week. Ooh, nice. We would like to thank our early adopters like Kathy Burke, mm-hmm. Rick Parker, mm-hmm. yep. and Karen Flieger. Right. Awesome. And thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level Patreon supporters, yep. John Henderson, mm-hmm. Craig Coletta, oh, yeah. Marcus right. Taylor, and Tony mm-hmm. Great. Yes. Right. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much for you guys for your support. And those are folks that support us on Patreon. We give us a, a dollar or two uh, mm-hmm. every month to help, what, keep the lights on. <laughs> Even as an independent podcast, look, we don't have a big sponsor that backs the show. So instead we have to dig into our pockets and hope they're not lint free in order to be able to pay things like subscription <laughs> fees for software and right. services to publish the show every week, et cetera, and so on. Hey, if you'd like to help support us, please go to 1980snow.com slash support. There's a number of ways you could do that, including just sending us an email or leaving a comment, uh, telling a friend about the show. Yes. And make sure you, if you want to send me an email, yeah. make sure you use a K. Oh. K-A-T. You're right. Mm-hmm. K-A-T. I, I want an email. People I want to getting... report next week that I got an email. I'm so glad you said that. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. You're right. That's right. All those bounce backs people are getting. <laughs> yeah. It's K-A-T. K-A-T at 1980snow.com. All right. Hey, guys, we will talk to you next time at night. I got John's attention all of a sudden. He's like, oh, it's ending. Whew. Hey, uh, we will talk to you again next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.